The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello and welcome to Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Stone with you for the new season. Welcome back. I hope you had a lovely summer. <laughs> it's not saying it's over, but you know what I mean. Uh, the first season, uh, next season, uh, incidentally, without midweek European football since before the internet. Although, by way of a consolation, we can look forward to the glamour of an extra round in the Carabao Cup. Uh, James and Amy are still reeling from the last campaign. So with me this week to look at how the summer's been going so far is the former Arsenal winger turned pundit Adrian Clark and the Athletics' young gun, Art de Roche. Good morning, chaps. Good morning. Morning, Ian. Morning. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's all right. It's it's all right. Um, it's nice uh, to speak to you both again. I hope you've had a lovely uh, summer. And we're going to get into uh, the Chelsea game yesterday and the transfer rumours and all, all the rest of it. I should say, by the way, listener, you can get a third of the athletic, a third off the athletic right now because you listen to this podcast. To get our special offer, head to theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal and you'll be able to read all the content from Art, Amy, and James. Before we get into the meat of the podcast, the news came through that we are being subjected to all or nothing <laughs> this season. Lord help us. <laughs> I tell you what, before we talk about that, uh, we, we do love a sporting doc uh, here on Handbrake Off. What's your favourite sporting doc of all time? We don't need, it doesn't need to be football. Adrian, I'll come to you first. Oh, it's, it's tough. I've, I've got, <laughs> I loved, I love Senna because it was oh. so unusual. No sort of talking heads told the story beautifully I thought that was a little bit of a masterpiece but yeah during lockdown I got into two the last dance and the test and I thoroughly enjoyed both so so I'll chuck those two into the mix yeah both both outstanding both addictive great access behind the scenes and yeah just yeah just just really really um enjoyed both See, Art, what Adrian has done there is taken the Amy Lawrence role of naming three things, <laughs> you see, just leaving us with almost nothing. What's your favourite goal, Amy? Well, I've got 14 for you that I'd like to talk about. Um, <laughs> what about you, Art? Uh, well, you can I'll... name some of the same ones as well, by the way. No, I'll just name one for now. <laughs> um, but I think over the past few years, there's been a series on Netflix called Last Chance You. So they follow like, college football teams in America. Again, like like Adrian said, the access they get in terms of behind the scenes stuff, but also following certain players and how they're like some of them don't even like have proper houses that they live in, but they're still chasing that kind of dream to somehow get a NFL contract. And yeah, I think so that that's probably the one that sticks out in my head the most. Yeah. I mean, for me, The Last Dance was a masterpiece. I genuinely thought that. I, I was never even that into the basketball. Although myself and Michael Jordan were born on exactly the same day, by the way. In I know, we often get confused. Uh, did and, did uh, you wear some of those baggy suits, Tony? I can see you in some of those. <laughs> they were less baggy on me than they were on him. I'll tell you that. But, um, uh, yeah, I just thought it was absolutely outstanding. And what sporting uh, documentaries should be. I also, by the way, like the Sunderland Till I Die uh, doc uh, documentary. I I felt really sad 
for Sunderland, but it does show you the importance, uh, particularly uh, uh, in in smaller towns, let's say, of of the uh, football team and, and what it means to the people. And I and I and I felt quite sad uh, the way that it all fell apart for them. And uh, I, I'm sort of a, got a bit of a second team thing going on with Sunderland. I, of course, not unlike you guys, remember the 1973 FA Cup final. Uh, but uh, so I really enjoyed that one as well. In terms of us doing all or nothing, Art, do you think it's a do you think it's a good idea for us to do all or nothing? I mean, we are of course a continuing psychodrama at Arsenal, <laughs> and um, you know it, it won't be bad TV, but a little bit like Arsenal fan TV. Do you think it'll be more entertaining for fans of other clubs rather than us? Yeah, I think when when it was first announced, or even just looking back at the old edition so Manchester City and Tottenham I was obviously very interested in watching because <laughs> well one there's that almost safety net of it's not your club yeah but now I think in some aspects it'll be quite interesting to see what type of ac- access they actually get obviously Mikel Arteta has already done one of these at Manchester City so he, he, he will have an idea of what's gonna happen I guess um, but also whether they're restricted or not in terms of access that they can get that may determine what how good it actually is maybe but I, I think as a whole if if they embrace it rather than try to restrict it it could be quite good but again we know how crazy <laughs> Arsenal can get so it, that does that does leave me with a, a little bit of worry <laughs> yeah you'd imagine wouldn't you Adrian that I mean, I'm saying this not knowing what Arsenal are going to bring us next season, but you'd have thought that the 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 major dramas may be behind us, possibly, and they might have missed well, out. One by would hope so. One would one one <laughs> would hope so. I mean, I mean that, for example, we spent quite a long time on here uh, last season, a couple of uh, certainly a couple of podcasts talking about Xhaka and that uh, that moment against um, Crystal Palace when he, you know took the armband off and all the rest of it and how you, you can imagine watching that as a drama on TV and that would be fascinating for for someone uh, not a fan of our club but maybe things calmed down a little bit last year they did there's always drama over the course of a season there's always a fallout there's always someone that's out of favor someone that falls out with the manager there's there's always a storyline someone will emerge um, yeah, look, I, I hope that the, the traditions of the club kind of shine through. And I think that's part of what, what makes Arsenal special. They've obviously been watered down a little bit since we left Highbury, but I'm, st- I'm still interested to see what happens there. I'm not a massive fan of all or nothing documentaries. They're a little bit PR heavy for me, for my taste, but but no, it'll be fascinating to see. And I, I'm just curious to see what's changed since I was a player and how it all works nowadays. I, I do put myself in the shoes of the players and, and feel that they won't massively be up for it. There's there's more to lose than to gain, certainly yeah. for, for the players. You can, of course, open yourself up to a little bit of ridicule. Deli Ali was made to look a bit of babyish, wasn't he, on the on the last documentary. They sort of, I don't know if it was the editing or whether that is his personality, but he, he created some comedy moments and, and I'm sure he was a little bit embarrassed by that. So, so if I was a player, I wouldn't be up for it. I was, um, I was almost in a documentary in 2001 at Stevenage. Um, it was pretty much signed and sealed called You're the Manager and it was going to be aired on Channel 4 whether whether the the viewers would be dictating big decisions around the team selection <laughs> signings it was honestly it was unbelievable <laughs> Stephen had agreed to it and and the players they came to us and you know we were offered a little bit of money and uh, 
I was part of a group that was absolutely not up for it. No. Um, but most of the younger players were totally for it. Um, and so, yeah, I think there'll be a slight split in the, in the dressing room. Different for these guys. They're used to the media and stuff. So, um, yeah. But it, it'll be fascinating to watch. But it, yes. if I was a player, I would see it as a negative. Yeah, I also wonder, Art, whether we'll, whether Stan Kroenke will actually say anything. I mean, I just imagine, I, I sort of imagine the camera just coming to him and him just looking at the camera and then moving away <laughs> every time. Maybe saying one word through the whole series or something. Yeah, I, I think he was actually in the LA Rams version because obviously that was when, I think that was when they were opening their new stadium. Um, ah, but right. I, right. I, I doubt or if if it is going to be a cronky, it's probably going to be Josh, like like we've come to get used to <laughs> over yes. the past couple of years, um, and even that will probably be over Zoom, like um, like the fan forums and stuff. So <laughs> I think in yeah. terms of talking heads and stuff like that, the most interesting ones will probably be the players, really. And I know they're probably in, some of them may be up for it, but like Adrian said, I think there may be a, a bit of just hesitance at the start considering how 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 things have exploded at Arsenal uh, in the past few years yeah uh, I know it would be quite ironic wouldn't it if uh, if uh, uh, a was late for his interview perhaps on the show <laughs> um let's talk about uh, the Chelsea game yesterday uh 2-1 home defeat by Let's say the European champions, we don't want to get too carried away, even though uh, we obviously don't want to uh, lose at home too much more often this season. Art, you wrote about the risk and reward aspect to the performance. I mean, I like Arsenal playing in that way, but you it felt from the article like you had mixed feelings about the whole thing. Yeah, I, I, I actually don't mind it. I think when it works, it works quite well, so... Obviously, it worked much better when Thomas Partey was on the pitch because he's uh, cut above most of the other midfielders at the club. Most, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, okay, we'll we'll change that to he's a cut above a high majority of the other midfielders at the club. Okay, okay. <laughs> but um, I think that especially when he was on, when I think you see from when you're actually in the ground, you can see it's one striker and then four midfielders behind the striker that are pressing. And that does work well when they can steal the ball quite high up. But when when Chelsea did escape that press, it was quite nerve-wracking at times seeing them just break on. Sometimes it was just one defender in, in Arsenal's like defensive half. And those moments, I know for pre-season, it's just about kind of testing out how these approaches work and Arteta did actually play that way quite a bit for the second half of last season and it worked it worked well I think I remember Southampton away in the league you um, talked about that one. yeah because I, I remember I, I put it to him after that game and he 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 said how he kind of specifically planned to play that way against Southampton so there are examples of it working but I just think um Yesterday and again, Chelsea are probably one of the best teams when it comes to breaking quickly. Yeah, with Timo Werner. So it is probably an extreme example, but over the course of the season, I just wonder if it, is the balance going to be right in wanting to play that way. But I, I do actually think that like I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing that Arsenal want to play that way. I just think yeah, it just needs to maybe be tweaked a little bit. <laughs> 
But that's an experimentation, wasn't it? Yeah. Exactly, yeah, Adrian. I, that's I, I, I thought, what that's what these preseason games are for—to do exactly that. I think so. Yeah, I I, I don't mind seeing it. It, it. Certainly, Chelsea are one of the best teams in the world at exploiting that. And if you're going to commit to that that strategy, the pressing higher up the pitch has to be better. It wasn't mm. quite good enough. They were sort of half a yard behind, and therefore Chelsea were able to play out. And and the one thing that really stood out being there where you can see the whole pitch and it's the first time I've been able to do that since March 2020 was the huge expanse of empty space between those three players that were at the back and everybody else there was a huge almighty hole and I think Chelsea laid a trap for us really and, and and they they exploited it quite brilliantly what I felt uncomfortable about and I know that they did it last season was seeing Rob Holding for example go in and, and man-mark Hakim Ziyech midway through the Chelsea half, leaving Pablo Mari on his own as the only centre-back. And therefore, when they when they release Timo Werner, he's in a 1v1 with Pablo Mari. There's only one winner. I think we all know that. So, <laughs> so we've got to be really careful. Ben White has got pace. I think he was clocked, you know... Pretty, I think he was clocked faster than any of Arsenal centre backs last season. He's he's pretty rapid um, at recoveries, so he will help us in that regard. But it's definitely a work in progress. We, we, yeah. We've not nailed it by any chance yet. I mean, I mean, surely the whole thing, uh, risk and reward. I want to see Arsenal take more risks. I mean, are they were one of? They seem to me, and you tell me if this is wrong. They seem to me one of the more risk averse teams uh, in the Premier League last season, and and I. You know, surely with a risk and reward strategy, you're more likely to get goals from midfield, which is something we sorely lacked last year. Yeah, I'd say definitely risk averse when they had when they actually had the ball, and I think that's something that this preseason, anyway, that's something that's um, encouraged me in terms of they've they've been able to move the ball from A to B much more quickly, and even I think I wrote about it after maybe the Rangers game. So without Granite Shaka, they still kind of used that. They used Elneny as that kind of midfielder filling in between the centre back and left back. Yes. But even though they did that, they were still they were looking to change the point of attack a lot more. Uh, when Shaka was there over the past eighteen months, it's been a lot more kind of about funneling the attack down the left. But so far this preseason. I think even yesterday there was a point when Elneny got the ball in that position and I, I looked at Arteta and he's kind of motioning over to kind of switch the ball over to the right where the space is. So those those sorts of things as well, they may may not be like as risky, <laughs> but um, but I think they're just as encouraging in terms of where the thought process is in terms of how Arsenal are, are trying to play. Yeah, on that, I... It works for Arsenal when I think Granit Xhaka goes into that left-back position and he can play those defence-splitting forward passes. We saw one of them, I think, for Aubameyang in the game against Chelsea. It works when that happens. The problem and the the worry I have, and it happened on numerous occasions last year, is if that player loses the ball, there's only one central midfielder in in Thomas Partey. And again, there's that great big hole in the middle of the park where we, we, we pretty much empty the midfield and and I get the risk and I get the rewards that it brings but yeah it's 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 something that we're getting better at but haven't haven't perfected I do, I do believe in three quarters of Premier League matches if Arsenal play this aggressive style of play and 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 improve a little bit at it 
they they will go on and win games that they were drawing last season. I, I think it could be uh, could make a really positive difference. But there will be occasions where it might look like a car crash, and and we just have to accept that. I think as the team <laughs> develops, <laughs> I'm sure Amazon will be pleased with stuff like that. But um, I mean, it, it, you're talking about. I know Art, you wrote yesterday about progressive passing. You were talking about uh, Albert Sambi Lukonga. Uh, this is the first time I've even pronounced that name, <laughs> to be honest with you. But he is, I was those stats that you wrote about, about the pro, I, I think you wrote about this, but about the progressive passing, that's surely what we need from midfield a little bit more, really. Yeah, those stats, so I think uh, for those who aren't familiar, I try to remember them off the top of my head, but. I believe it was Arsenal were fifth for passing distance in the Premier League last season. And 13th. And 13th for progressive passing distance, which I think that that tells you enough of what's going on. And in terms of when uh, looking at Lokonga, so looking at, say, possible reasons why Arsenal were interested in him and looking back at, I guess, the film on him, that was one thing that stood out among, among the others is... He's very proactive when he has the ball. And I think we saw that in when he came on yesterday, a very nice floated ball over the top for Nicola Pepe, which actually led to Joe Willett's, I, I call it a ghost goal. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think even in the games against Millwall and Watford as well, Lukonga's impressed in terms of just always looking to play forward. And that's something that, has been missing in the midfield a lot yes. since, especially since um, Aaron Ramsey left in 2019. I think oh. that <laughs> well, I probably shouldn't have up. mentioned that Why name. Why did you bring that up? I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's done now. But, but I think, yeah, in terms of just, again, getting the ball into the final third, I know Granite Shaka was great at that last season, but having someone else that can do that and just open the pitch up a lot more, um, I think he's probably the most exciting signing that's come through the door so far this summer. Well, on the signings that have come through the door, in terms of uh, Tavares, I mean, he's a backup, isn't he, for uh, for Kieran Tierney. Uh, what do you think so far in pre-season? Pretty good, pretty good. He's, he's definitely not the finished article. Defensively, his positioning is sometimes a little bit off. I think he's a, he's a player that's learning the game. And I'm sure he will he'll improve in that aspect. The standout feature is his pace. I mean, he is rapid. I said this on air yesterday. I said, if if me and him had a 20-yard sprint race, he'd beat me by 10. He's, he's so quick. And, and I think that those recovery runs are going to be really, really helpful. I think he can cover the centre-backs nicely. He can actually play as a left-sided centre-back, I believe. So, so yeah, that, that, that aspect has shone through. And he's left foot as well. And he put in a beautiful ball for Aubameyang, who should have scored with a header against Chelsea. It was He wrapped his left boot around it. It was quality. It was Tierney-esque. So, yeah, lot, I think he's going to be very good in the final third. Excellent at covering teammates. But if I was a winger up against him and I, I was a player of relative experience, I'd fancy my chances because I think that his positioning and maybe defensive skills aren't yet at the same level as, as a Tierney. Well, I guess that brings us to the central uh, defenders, Are and uh, uh, White came on. Yes, Ben White came on and got a huge uh, ovation when he did come on. He obviously, the central defenders can help the uh, the fullbacks, wingbacks, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, and I think uh biggest cheer was obviously when he made that um, goal line clearance from yeah. 
Ziyech, who, to be honest, I think Ziyech should have scored. He was way too indecisive in that moment. But I do think that Ben White did look relatively comfortable when he came on. Obviously, he didn't actually play at the Euro. So I was actually talking to Amy before before the game. And she, she made the point of him basically training throughout the whole summer, but not playing. Obviously, he did have a holiday. But if you're looking at players conditioning and that He's side ready. of things... Maybe he's a bit more ready than others that that went to the Euros. It was weird because obviously I don't really know his voice because he's only just come come into the club. But I, there was somebody that did sound very vocal, and I'm guessing it was him in, at centre back. Which again, I think that's another quality that is needed in terms of the Arsenal def- defence, especially after losing David Luiz in the summer. When you consider, okay, maybe he. He had his maybe slightly off moments, but yep. in the whole, uh, he he was looked at as someone who almost pretty much led that back line, especially when he played alongside Gabriel. Um, so somebody who's able to not just perform well in terms of actual defending and what's happening when the ball's around them, but also just commanding others. Yeah. I think that, that that will help greatly as well. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's Adrian, we're talking about a leader here, aren't we, really? And and someone who could, I as I said, you know, organise the rest of the defence. I mean, my Brighton mates tell me we have got a bargain for 50 million quid. Really? Now that, no, no, they genuinely say, oh, you, you got Ben White. Oh my God, you're going to love him. And so that, that does get me excited when fans of his last club talk about him in those terms. Music to your ears, isn't it? Yeah, it look, is. I, I remember I was impressed with him last season. I saw a lot of him when he was at Leeds United in the EFL and he was by some distance the, the yeah. best defender in the championship. He was absolutely outstanding. Just he looked out of place really. And prior to that, you've got to remember he's been on loan at various EFL clubs. He's he's roughed it, you know, in League Two and League One, where where maybe that vocal side of the game is more important, bit of screaming and shouting. He's he's experienced a lot of aspects of football already in his career, and that I think will hold him in, in good stead. I like him, I really do. I think I think it's a good signing. A few interesting stats with him that I dug up ahead of the game. Um, he's number one, or he was last year for centre backs that take people on with a ball carry. So he, he, <laughs> he beat a man with the ball at his feet, I think 18 right. times during the course of a season. And again, that could, that can go wrong, but he's obviously very confident. Yeah. Art was talking about progressive passing. He was second in the league for centre-backs for the most passes that ended in the final third. So in that regard, he's he's going to help. He'll, he'll go from back to front quickly and accurately. He's got a beautiful diagonal on him. So I'm mm. looking forward to seeing him pinging the ball to Kieran Tierney out on the left-hand side. And, and maybe just to sort of clip it down the channel as well for, for an Aubameyang or, or a Lacazette to chase. So so he will get the ball forward in a progressive manner. And he was second also for interceptions uh, for Premier League centre-backs last season absolutely miles ahead of any Arsenal centre-back. So again, if Arsenal are going to play this front foot style where you're looking to squeeze the opposition, and I'm all for that, I want us to play like Italy did in the Euros to some degree, then what you need is a centre-back that's willing to step forward and in, and make those interceptions and also someone that's very good at timing it. And Ben well, White's got so that in his in his armoury. So, so I think he's, he's a good fit. Can read the game, basically, is what what you're talking about. Um, There are other rumours on players uh, who may or may not arrive. uh, Locatelli, Madison, Laturo Martinez, perhaps. 
But let's talk about a couple of the players uh, that we... Um, that, well, first of all, Granite Xhaka. It's it's possible he'll stay, Art. Do you think that gets in the way of team development? Or if we get the Xhaka that we saw playing for Switzerland against France, have we... It's like a new signing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did see the overwhelming reaction when, when the news broke out about him possibly staying. And Not I think, positive? Uh, yeah. It, <laughs> social media wasn't overly positive about no. it. But I think when you look at Arteta's arsenal over the past 18 months or so, Granite Xhaka has been his main guy, especially yes. last season. He, he was um, the side's most used player, outfield player, sorry. And if if Arsenal weren't able to get the fee that they wanted from Roma him staying was probably always going to be a possibility, I think. And when you also consider how influential he was to the style of play, um, that only makes that case even uh, stronger. And I think in terms of the um, team building aspect of it, maybe I, I did see if he went Arsenal's midfield becoming more dynamic. We know he's not the most athletic midfielder, the most agile midf- midfielder. Uh, compared to the others in, in the squad. So that is something that I think even Adrian mentioned it earlier when when he does lose the ball in those areas, it is very high risk. But I, I do understand that what he brings in that role is very um, it's very specific and right. very important. So if you can't get someone who can do that role, it makes sense that he will stay. But again, whether... He's the long-term plan for that role. That That's another issue, I think. Yeah, quite. We spent a lot of time talking about Granit Xhaka on this podcast, so we won't <laughs> keep doing that. He's, it looks like he's going to be an Arsenal player this season and hopefully he'll do very well. Um, someone who did get a new deal and the number 10 shirt was Emile Smith-Rowe. Adrian, there was no chance of him leaving, was there? I mean, I know we heard the rumours from Villa, but I, I never felt concerned about that one. I, I didn't either, no. And and when you watch the interview that he did after he'd signed, he, was, he basically said, I was never going to go anywhere. I was never going to go anywhere. But of course, he wasn't going to scream and shout about that while, while the negotiation was taking no. place, was he? Um, and you have to, in his position, in his agent's position, you have to use use somebody else's interest to get the best deal for yourself. And he's got a great deal and he's got the coveted tension. And I, look, it feels early in his career, but to, to, to have that, but I think he can handle it. I, I really like his attitude. He looks sharp in pre-season. He's so positive in his play. He's always looking to dart, to dart forward, isn't he? And to, and to make something happen. Yep. And and I think in that 10 role, if he plays there, or if even if he plays out wide, he will continue to make those runs beyond the opposition defence. And that is what he has to do. He has to be a mix, I think, between a, an Urzo and a Ramsey. You want him to pick up the ball between the lines and make things happen. But you also want him to to, to make those runs into the box to score goals and into those wider channels to to get into positions where he can cut the ball back for, for others, which he's, he's brilliant at. So he's got the energy to, to, to shine. He's got the talent. And I think he's got the temperament as well. So, yeah, really, really exciting um, that, he's, that he signed the new deal. And I... I believe that he can kick on this season. I, I like, you know, Adrian, I like the the sort of 
pragmatic way that you're talking about him because when people ask me about him and where everyone was talking about Saka and we'll mention him uh, in a moment after the Euros and I've been saying well at Arsenal we knew how good he was yeah. last season anyway but and I've but I've then said you wait till you see Smith Rowe you mm. wait till you watch that kid and how good he is and you saying that about if he can be a mixture between Ozil and Ramsey well if we if if he manages to take the best aspects of both both of them we have a world class player on our hands uh, in a couple of years but maybe I'm putting a bit too much pressure on his head <laughs> I, I think on Smith Rowe as well sorry before we move on to another player and people listening probably knew I was going to butt in because it's Smith Rowe <laughs> but it's alright it's alright um, I think he's one player that can really benefit from that kind of high risk uh, high rewards yes. kind of approach because um, if if you turn the ball over that high up the pitch, he's the number one player you're going to look to. And then it's about his decision-making. And I think especially this preseason, he's been getting into a lot more goal scoring positions and before, before the game. So during the pre-match warmups and stuff, obviously they're going through their shooting drills, but he looked very comfortable shooting off both his left and his right foot. And in the game, we saw him shoot with his left foot and hit the post. But I think in those areas, he's he's probably the go-to guy once you win the ball back. And I think if Arsenal perfect that aspect of their game, he, he can really go go on to another level in, in his game as well. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake. Yes, this is uh, Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Stone, back for a new season with our guests this week, Art De Roche and Adrian Clark. Uh, Art, you've been writing about the Arsenal shirts. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of over uh, new shirts every season. <laughs> I, I mean, I, obviously, uh, having had uh, uh, one child who liked the Arsenal shirt every year, uh, I'm still paying for, I think, 2007, 2008 <laughs> uh, at the moment. Um, it's a real expense for people, these things. Um, I don't like any blue in our shirt. What's your view oh, about no. all this, by the way? Uh, Ian, <laughs> I, I can't wait until... Obviously, it's not officially out yet, but... The new third shirt looks like it's going to be blue with the lightning design. And I can't wait. I really can't wait. I, no. I, I admit, last season's blue, I wasn't a big fan of. I wasn't a big uh, fan of it. Or the blue third shirt a couple of seasons ago. But um, that lightning design is something I've been waiting for for a while. So so I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm being honest. Being honest. I was the original. Not, yeah, I, in the mid, mid-90s. Yeah. Yeah. Adrian, I remember being away at uh, Manchester United a few years ago when we won 2-1 when Danny Welbeck scored in the FA Cup. Fantastic night, 9,000 of us there. Brilliant, right? But Arsenal were playing in blue. And I, <laughs> we just, I can't do come on you blues. I just can't. It just doesn't, it, I don't know. Something catches in my throat a little bit. Oh, no. Well, the second kit, I think, 
always should be yellow, personally. Um, yes. But, um, and, but the third kit, I'm easy. Let's, let's mix it up a little bit. Sometimes blue, <laughs> sometimes, what is it? I don't like white. I didn't really like the marble mm. colours. I got one of those. Last year. I like that one. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't so keen. But um, it'd be quite nice to bring back the green. When I was a sort of 10, 11-year-old, <laughs> um, rocking up at London Colney for the first time, sort of playing in the school holidays, they used to put us in some of the old kits. And I wore the um, the old Umbro Arsenal kits, the, the, the red one, but also the green one. And uh, yeah, I just wonder whether whether there might be a nod towards that in, in future years. But, um, but yeah, now yellow has to be second for me. That's my feeling as well. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Uh, anyway, it's uh, it's not out yet, though, Art, you say. the uh, uh, No, the th- there's been loads of like pictures and stuff doing the rounds on Twitter. And I, I I was hoping that they would release it when Ben White was announced. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. So I have to wait a few more days or weeks. We don't know. <laughs> what do you boys think about a little bit of touch of blue on the home kit? Because obviously we got that this Ooh, season. We've I'm not sure about that. No. I'm not I'm, sure about it. I won't have it. <laughs> I mean, I will have it because yeah, I, I won't buy it because I don't really buy the, the home kits particularly. I just It's more of a fashion thing if you fancy it. But blue on an Arsenal kit, on a home kit, I mean, we're red and white and have been since I was, no, you know, one. No, so, Do you think this is, a, I think this is a nod to 1999 because it's sort of a little bit Ajaxy with the white under the sleeves. If you cast your mind back to that, sort of, I imagine Bergkamp in that, Bergkamp playing in that kit, um, coming with a sponsor, would it have been Dreamcast? I'm not sure. But 1999, it, we had the Ajax style sort of uh, whiteness and there was a touch of blue on that shirt. I just wonder whether Adidas have sort of just had a little nod towards that there. I'm not sure. Um, but we did have it in 89, blue shorts, didn't we? Blue stripes on the shorts. But- you know what? Shorts is almost acceptable, I think. Art, <laughs> um, oh, you did a poll for best kit. Which one won, by the way? I actually don't know because so the three the three kits I picked were obviously the Bruce Bruce Banana. Yes. Um, then I went with the classic sixties seventies home shirt, and the third option was the O five O six maroon farewell hybrid kit. The and burgundy. I, yeah. I think oh, one was burgundy. I would say burgundy rather than maroon. I might be wrong about that, but we know the one you mean. Beautiful yeah. kit. And I, so I actually couldn't decide which one to vote for. So I still haven't voted. You haven't voted <laughs> yet? No, I haven't voted because I, I literally could. So I had the three and I just couldn't pick between them. So if you have to actually vote to see the other results, I haven't voted yet. So... <laughs> So yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) I'll have a little think about that. I mean, I... From a personal point of view, and this is for our older listeners, I love the uh, the the seventy one away kit. I love Charlie mm. George lying there in the yellow and blue. Uh, the only problem with that kit is if it gets wet, it weighs about half a ton. But uh, <laughs> it's not like uh, it's not like the um, uh, the modern kits uh, now. But it doesn't say who's winning if you vote. Uh, Abby, our producer, is uh, is telling us she's just tried again. Uh, well, <laughs> you just have to vote and then see what happens. I guess. I'll try- I'll try and get the results at some point and, and we can share it on Twitter. You can get my favourites on there, Art. Which, which are yours? I, 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 well, I suppose it's, it's memories, isn't it? It's, it's about, right. I think, favourite yes. shirts as well come with winning. I, I really like the 1991 title winning kit. Mm-hmm. I really, I, and, I, and I got to wear that in my first year as a sort of full-timer at Arsenal. I loved that. And I also, I really liked, and it's probably a Marmite kit. I think it was the last one of the original Adidas era. 
the 92, 94 to 94 kit. Obviously, we went to the cup finals, didn't we, in, in, in 93 in it. I really liked that one. I liked wearing it. It was obviously unusual because you had the badge in the middle. Um, but yeah, those those were my favourites. But but we won trophies in them, and maybe that's why <laughs> they're my favourites. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I've actually got that one because obviously Arsenal did a retro collection and stuff. So uh, so before the pandemic came in, actually before games, just go into the armory and see what's there. And there were quite a few impulse. <laughs> Impulse kit buys. So that was one of them. <laughs> That's how they pull you in. Um, one uh, uh, one more thing uh, before we go to a song. Um, Bukayo Saka, uh, he had an absolutely fabulous Euros, loved by the entire country, I think. Um, I, I mean, you guys were at the game yesterday and there were crowds back in the stadium. Not a full crowd, but whatever you were saying, 20,000, 25,000. I... Personally, I cannot wait for that Norwich game when there's 60,000 people there and we welcome Bukayo back with a sort of group hug, if you like, and we sort of just tell him how much we love him. Um, I mean, his status now has moved up uh, a couple of levels, is it not, Art? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really weird when you think about him. He's still only 19 years old and he doesn't turn 20 until next month. But it seems like so much has already happened in his career um and it obviously it has happened and i think in terms of it was quite similar to something you mentioned earlier ian where england fans were quite surprised by how trusted he was by gareth southgate but yeah. uh from arsenal's corner we've all been saying well we're not that surprised because <laughs> we've seen it at a club level week in week out for pretty much two years um and even longer for those who been watching him in the academy but I do think that the overwhelming support he got after uh, that penalty miss in the the final was great to see and even though he wasn't at the game or he wasn't playing against Chelsea there were still kind of um, banners in support of him that that was photographed at at the Emirates yesterday and I think that again just shows how um, yeah loved I guess is the word he is among among, um, Arsenal fans. The majority of his Arsenal career has been played behind closed doors. <laughs> it's 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 such a shame for him, but you can't take away what he's achieved so far. I just think he he will get such a, a lift from having the support of the, of the fans as well. So yeah, really excited. I'm just my only my only concern, and it's not a concern because he's a brilliant player, but is is where to play him. I'm I'm still I'm still not sure where where his best position is and yeah that the, there are certain positions like Nicola Pepe for example I think he can score a lot of goals for Arsenal this season yes. coming in off the right and and, and I kind of don't want to to have him on the bench most weeks but then that means where does Saka play is he going to be at 10 is he going to be um, on the left and then if he's on the left you're effectively leaving out um, you know, another really good player, potentially, I don't know, Martinelli or or even in Aubameyang. So it's it's a quandary. But one thing I think we can be sure of is that he'll play. Yeah. One one thing with yeah. with those three in particular, I think Saka, Smith Rowe and Pepe, over the past six months or eight months, I guess we'll call it, I think they've all proven they can play across all three positions yeah. behind yes. the striker. Yeah. So if they're all on the pitch, I, I'm not con- too, too concerned about... Um, and I know you said it wasn't like a, a major concern, Adrian, but no, no, um, no. like if, if they're all on the pitch and they're just kind of floating around, popping up 
in different areas. I think I think that's something that I I'd look forward to. So yeah, I was just is that the team then? Is that, is, I, is that should that be sort of non-negotiable? Right, the attacking midfield three are those three. End of story. If they're fit and 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 they're in decent form, those three play. Is that is that how we should look? Because obviously we've been with players that those, play in those positions. Those three, Adrian, being Saka, Smith Rowe, and Pepe, or or Martinelli, mm. or mm. I, I, no Pepe, yeah. I mean, I like I like those three personally. I I like art that we've got some options. You know, I yeah. look at Man City and and Mares didn't get always get in the team, or or Phil Foden didn't always get in the team. That's what the top teams have. They have a squad, not just a first eleven. Yeah, definitely. And that's something I kind of bang on about when I when I when I'm on this topic. Where when when you look back to the very early Emirates days, it was Fabregas, Leb, Nazari, Rosicky. They're all basically central midfielders, but Wenger just threw them on. And Nasri played out wide sometimes, some, sometimes Rosicki did. But they all kind of just play off each other. And that's something that I, I've just been waiting to see again. Ho- hopefully we're getting closer to that, but um, I guess time will tell. <laughs> time will yeah. tell. With relationships. Uh, yeah, relationships are important. Sorry, Ian, but relationships are important. And the more the more these guys play together and the more they interchange position and link up and, and get used to pressing in the way that Arteta wants, the better they should be, rather than sort of every week dropping out one of them to bring in somebody else. Do you know you see where I'm coming from? I think I think mm. I would like to see more of a nailed on first eleven. I know it's a squad game and I know you have to give players, you know, rest and rotate to some degree. But given that this is a effectively a 38-match season for Arsenal, I would love to see us have a recognisable first eleven this season, personally. Um, even, even if that is at the expense of, you know, a good player that finds themselves on the bench a lot. Yeah, uh, it is difficult. I mean, like you say, we've got a 38-game season and two cup competitions to go for. I mean, we'll go, I think in the, in the coming weeks, we'll maybe go into that as well. And also, by the way, we'll talk about the, the summer generally and how, how it's been, whether it's been a good summer in terms of uh, players in and, and uh, clearing out uh, some of the dead wood. Uh, we'll go into that a bit more in the coming weeks. Um, let's have a song, though, to end. Adrian, we'll start with you. <laughs> well, he got injured um, yesterday, Thomas Partey, and that was a, a crying shame because he was majestic. He was great. He was absolutely dominating the game and he's looked... He's looked sensational, I think, during the course of pre-season. So I hope he's all right. So, yeah, I wanted to have a song with, with Partey involved. So I've gone for Fight For Your Right to Brackets Play With Partey <laughs> by the Beastie Boys. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, Art, what have you got? Adrian's is much better than mine because I, I, I was, again, I was just thinking, what, what do I choose? What do I choose? And then... Because it's pre-season and I'm just waiting for the season to start, I'm going for more of an intermission kind of song uh, called Dial Up by Childish Gambino. And it's pretty much instrumental, but um, I'm just waiting for that first game of the season to come and uh, the proper business is going to (laughs) start. Thirteenth of August. Um, I'm uh, I'm having something optimistic because I'm feeling optimistic, and you guys talking about those uh, those front three or four mouthwatering prospect of seeing us going forward, uh, defending less so, but let's not go down that road for the moment. But um, uh, so I'm going to have uh, here comes the sun 
because I just feel like if you can't be optimistic at this time of the season, when can you be? So uh, that's what I'm having. Um, Thank you, uh, Adrian. Thank you, Art. Uh, Thanks also to Abby, our new uh, producer, for looking after us. And thank you for listening. I'm Ian Stone. This has been Handbake. uh, Handbake. This has been Handbrake of the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. See you next week. Thank you.